Hey, before we get started, I just wanted to remind everyone to, if you haven't already, fill out the end-of-season survey, which you can find in the description for this episode. Now, on to the episode. Hello and welcome to the Alternate History Class. My name's Andrew, and here we explore alternate history through the lens of a history class from another timeline. Last time we looked at the tragic reign of Eugene I. This week we look at the beginning of the reign of Napoleon IV and the Berlin Conference. Now, Napoleon IV uh, began his reign at the age of 17, as we discussed, in 1879. He would officially be crowned Napoleon IV King Emperor, apologies, Emperor of the French on his 17th birthday. July 18th of 1879. This uh, would be the uh, the reign of a man who felt the threat from the outside. So especially... In the early days, there would be a focus on two things. Uh, The expansion of colonial holdings and the internal politics uh, of the nation in which he would focus on purging um, many Republicans uh, such as uh, Victor Hugo, who would flee to Britain, and Jeromists, um, those who were not caught and executed for treason, would flee to usually Belgium, uh, as well as London and Berlin. Um, the colonial expansion would first focus in Algeria, focusing on uh, expansion in the name of the slain emperor, uh, as well as the invasion of Tunisia, uh, which would um, be under the claim of rooting out the Barbary piracy once and for all by taking out uh, the last major 
Berber state on the Mediterranean. There would also be expansion up the eastern coast of what would become French Indochina and was already becoming known as that as Anam and Tonkin would be taken during this time frame. Now all of this would lead into what is often marked as a major point in history, uh, the Berlin Conference of November 15th, 1884 to February 26th of 1885. Now this would be called by uh, Otto von Bismarck and Napoleon IV at the behest of the Belgian King Leopold II to settle the disputes uh, of the colonial powers in Africa. Um, now, many uh, claimed uh, in the past that this was really the start of the scramble for Africa. This is now more seen as a formalization uh, of the scramble for Africa, laying down rules uh, and lines and spheres of influence for the colonial powers. Uh, there were 14 nations that would be uh, invited to attend. Those would be, obviously, the Germans and the French, uh, as well as the Austrians, the British, the Spaniard, Spaniards, the Portuguese, the Danes, the Italians, the Netherlands, Sweden, Norway, which was under one crown at this time, Russia, the Ottomans, uh, a company known as the International Congo Society. It was really Belgium attending as its primary shareholder was uh, Leopold II, uh, as well as the USA. Having come only 20 years off of its civil war that saw it uh, eliminate slavery from its southern half. Now, this conference would lead to what was simply known as the General Act, which had several major points. Uh, as I said, to, to basically set the rules for European expansion into Africa and great power expansion into Africa. The first uh, was to uh, kind of win public approval uh, in all the Christian nations. The conference would resolve to end slavery by the African 
and Islamic powers, uh, and thus international prohibition of the slave trade throughout uh, each European power's sphere of influence uh, was signed by all the European members. The properties uh, occupied by Belgian King Leopold's International Congo Society uh, were confirmed as belonging to the society. This would be used by uh, both the general governor of the region as well as the Belgians to establish what they called the Free Cong the Congo Free State with Leopold II as its ruler, uh, something that would uh, become a quite dark part of, of history. The 14 signatory powers would be allowed free trade when it comes to the General Act, uh, throughout the Congo Basin, which was largely controlled by the by the International Congo Society, uh, as well as Lake Mawali in the east and east of it, uh, in an area south of five degrees longitude, uh, five degrees north longitude. Uh, the Niger and Congo rivers, which could have become potential sources of conflict when it came to trade, uh, were made free for ship traffic to help bring wealth back to the colonial colonizing nations. Uh, and the uh, the establishment and setting up of colonies in name only was prohibited as each new colony was expected to follow the principle of effective occupation. Now, uh, this uh, th this principle of effective occupation stated that a power could acquire rights over colonial lands only under the conditions that it possessed them directly or had effective occupation. An effective occupation was defined as having treaties with local leaders, fly, flying its flag there, and establishing an administration in the territory to govern it with a police force to keep order in the region. And as long as they followed this principle of effective occupation, 
any fresh act of taking possession of any portion of the African coast would have to be notified by uh, the power that was taking possession or assuming a protectorate uh, to the other signatories uh, of the General Act. The General Act also defined uh, regions in which each European power had an exclusive right to pursue the legal ownership of the land. Uh, now this would uh, be larger areas for some powers. The greatest beneficiaries of this would be the two long-standing rivals of Britain and France, although Portugal, Germany, uh, as well as Italy, would also uh, be allowed to seek claims. Uh, meaning that several of the powers that attended the conference would uh, would actually get no colonial rights in Africa. Now, the direct outcomes of of this conference would um, include the formalizing of spheres of influence uh, within Africa um, and it would speed up the scramble for Africa which was largely already going at this point This, for example, uh, with France, would see them expand uh, between the signing of, uh, of this document and the First Great War, uh, expand uh, throughout their sphere of influence uh, and take control of most of West Africa, uh, and the island of Madagascar. Uh, this uh, would greatly uh, influence French uh, prestige uh, as they rebuilt their colonial empire. And this prestige that came with having colonies really was the grounds for the principle of effective occupation. They did not want overlapping name-only claims from smaller powers or powers that had no way to uh, enforce their claims. They wanted uh, the prestige to go only to the powers that had it. Nowadays, uh, having a colony is not exactly a prestigious thing, but these were very 
different times as having a colony was a sign that you were truly one of the great powers uh, of Europe. Which is one of the reasons that the Germans ensured that they would get some claims and have their claims in Africa recognized to help bolster their influence. Uh, the Austrians, who had been working to solidify their South German Confederation, would, uh, would come away rather disgruntled having no, no true claims on this. Feeling shafted as the North Italians seemed to get a more favorable treatment than them from the Germans. Now a lot of this played into the geopolitical game was playing as some as nations were preparing for uh, war with each other and Europe was beginning to solidify its its groupings uh, what would become known as the Great War and we will take the time to look at how those groupings began to assemble afterwards as we'll explore how the Germans almost found themselves fighting the British and the French uh, and perhaps even the Austrians and Russians at one point, uh, as they will soon have a new Kaiser, Wilhelm II. Uh, we, we will be expanding our, our view a bit more as France becomes even more so entangled uh, in international politics, and it becomes harder and harder to separate the international politics from what would drive France domestically and policy-wise. Thank you for listening to the Alternate History Class Podcast. If you'd like to give any feedback you have, feel free to reach out via Twitter at AltHisClassPod or email the show at AltHisClass at gmail.com. Don't forget to subscribe or follow the show on your preferred podcasting platform so you don't miss an episode when it goes live. If you are able want to help the show financially, you can support the show on P-
Patreon. Just search for Alternate History Pods or use the link in the description of this episode. If you can't support the show financially, that's fine. Feel free to share the show with someone you think will enjoy it. And finally, thank you for your most important contribution, your time. And I'll see you next time as we journey down the path not taken.